Good morning, Bridge City Church. How y'all doing today? Y'all having a good day out there? Come on, so good to be with you today. And uh, we have a great looking crowd here. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Come on, trying to help you have a good Christmas. Come on. And we have a caffeinated crowd. And we have a crowd that's not afraid of no snow. Come on, I ain't afraid of no snow. Come on, somebody. So, hey, I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, you're here at a great, great day. This is part three of Do You Hear What I Hear? It's a song that was written in the 1960s at a time our country had fear. At a time, uh, we were very, very fearful that we would um, be overtaken uh, the, by, by Russia shooting nuclear missiles at us. And it was meant to recenter our lives on the hope of Jesus Christ. That's what the song was really all about. How many of y'all know that we could use some recentering? Yeah, come on, you live in the same world I do. That's right. And so we, we need that. So it was a time where we were being re-centered. You know, I don't know about you, but life can get messy at times. Am I right? You know, sometimes it feels like, um, I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like we're on a, a muddy, muddy football field. Cold, rainy, it's wet, and, like, and it's just like miserable, and you're trying to do everything you can do just to gain a yard. Am I right? Come on, we're, like, we're just like down here on earth, and we're like, we're like just doing everything we can to try to get ahead. Like, God, if I could just get, just get ahead by a yard, if I could just get ahead by a little... And it's easy sometimes in life to, to feel like we're down here in a mess and we look up, at the pre, like look up at the luxury box and there's God up there. And he's in his luxury box, warm, well-fed, no problems in the world. And we're down here, it's like, hey God, what's going on? But what God did was, he, he, the owner of the team, God, sent his son with the full authority of himself and sent him down to the field for us. But many of us think Jesus is on the sidelines cheering us on. Come on, you can do it. Come on, if you'll just get, if you'll get a first down, I'll give you a juicy juice and crackers. Come on, that's how we can feel, right? Jesus is on the sidelines. He's watching, kind of like cheering us on. You can do it. But no, Jesus enters the game. And he comes into the game, and he gets in the huddle, and he begins to call a play. And Jesus takes all the hits. He gets dirty. He gets muddy. Because every play that Jesus calls isn't a touchdown. You know why? Because he's working with you and me. <laughs> And he's calling plays, but he takes some hits. He's frustrated. He feels all the emotions of the game, all the emotions of the mud and the toil and the sweat, just to come into the game with us. My friends, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. That's this Jesus that left his luxury box with all its amenities came down on the, on, the, on the field, clothed himself 
and put on the pads, put on the helmet, put on everything that he needs to come in. Came in, comes into the game, feels all the emotion, feels all the tiredness, the sweaty, feels all of that so that he can run a play for us and with us. That's Christmas. That's it. But I want to let you know that that the reason he did all this is so that we could be victorious, not just run a couple plays. That's why he did this here. And in, in, in the story here is that we don't have to walk alone. We're not only just walking with one another or only walking with Jesus. We get to walk with both. We get to get into a huddle together here, and we have somebody calling the plays, and his name is Jesus. That's the deal. So, so with our anxiety, with our depressions, with our uh, down, with our loneliness, our frustration, and everything that goes in between, Jesus had to come into the game and feel it with us. But the question is, is do we really know? You know, and I agree, sometimes we hear this story, and the Christmas story just gets to kind of like be wrote. Like it just becomes like, it's almost like that movie that you watch all the time. And you can fill in the next line. Right? You, you, you can fill in the next line. You, you thought of a movie right there. You thought of one. Come on. And, and you can fill in the line, but, but sometimes it just be, we take it all for granted. But we're, So we're looking afresh at this whole story here in, in this whole thought process of do you hear what I hear and do you know what I know? And here, here's, the, um, here's the one line of the song. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Weren't, weren't those kids, they had some cute factor this morning. Come on, somebody. Or they were good. And I applaud all the, all the kids ministers that helped them do that. And that was awesome. So let's give them a big hand. Come on. Um, Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know? And this is it. Like, do you know what I know? Because if you knew what I knew, you'd get really excited. Man, when you know what I know, it is really cool. Because I know how the story ends, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and in your palace, warm mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him. Let us bring him. Now, first of all, I'd like to point out, who brings a child that's shivering silver and gold? Give the kid a blanket. (laughs) Just my thoughts. But there's this child, and and I think that part about shivering in the cold, we don't think of Jesus as having any emotion. We don't think of Jesus as having any of these things, but it it, it presents us with with his humanity. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. What, what's the big idea about Jesus coming to, coming to earth? I mean, we just hear the, hear the story, and I want to rekindle it for you. So I want to go to Philippians chapter 2 today. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read a whole bunch of verses here. And um, the apostle Paul is writing, and, and, and here it is. You, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. It didn't say it would be good if you did. It said you must have the same attitude say that Jesus had. Though, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. See, he was up in the press box, but he didn't cling to the, to the luxury box. He says, okay, his attitude is, is I'm not going to cling to this. I'm not going to hold on to this here. In verse 7, instead, he gave up his, what kind of privileges? 
What? He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a... When he appeared in human form. This, my friends, is a really, really big deal. In our Christian faith, this is a very, very important foundation of what we believe in the Christian faith. But unfortunately, we live in a day and age that, that um, 33% of evangelicals, and those are people like church-going people, right? So you all know they're really, really good people. <laughs> 33% said that they don't believe Jesus was God. See, we live in a day and age in which, which we, can, we, can, we can buy into whatever, whatever rendition of Jesus we believe is right. Rather than what does the Word of God say that is right? Yeah, you know, it's almost like um, sometimes it's easy to treat Jesus almost like, like, like Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, there's some truth. He was a nice guy, St. Nick, and did some nice things. But, like, we, we really don't believe that way anymore. But what do we believe? No, no, I see, really, what do we believe? I think that's the challenge. What do I really believe? What do I really hold on to here? What am I really going to do here? Because knowing half the truth isn't good enough. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to get politically connected. He didn't come for a popularity contest. Because if so, he failed both of those pretty good. He didn't at all here. He came to save the world from sin. Yeah, he, he came to, to save you and me. And it was going to take him coming fully God, fully man to do that. This is one of the big, like people ask me all the time, say, Pastor, what do, what, do we, what do we have to believe if we're going to be a part of the church here? And I said, really, there's about six, seven things that we're going to have to believe if we're going to walk together. One of those is, is that Jesus was fully God, fully man. It's a game changer. Now, this is a big one. And we live in a culture and a world that's trying to explain it away. I, I hear it all the time, and, it, and it's, it's becoming, the, the, the struggle is becoming more and more real here, but this is, this is so important. So everything in the Christmas story points to this. In, in Matthew ch chapter 2, these, the wise men showed up, and they gave them three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and, 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 and every one of these gifts speaks to something very significant. The gold speaks of his royalty, his kingship. The frankincense about his divinity, his anointing, and the myrrh speaks of his humanity because it was something that they used to embalm people when they died. So, so it wasn't like the wise men showed up and it was like, oh man, there's Jesus. We need a gift. I mean, it wasn't like, oh man, hey, you guys have any money? You got $10, I'll pay you back later. It wasn't like they go out to the camel, see what you got. Now, I, I, I'm not even sure the wise men knew exactly what they were doing at this point. I, that's my opinion. I'm, I'm not sure that it's like, oh, he's... Or, but they came bearing gifts that were equivalent to a king, because that's what they would have brought a king, but they were speaking to who Jesus is. 
They weren't just really cool gifts. They were speaking to his, his kingship, his royalty, and they were speaking to his divinity, and they were speaking to his humanity because Jesus was all of those. This is so, so cool. So, so we're, we're, we're in a day and age where people are challenged. How do we know? How do we know? Because for those of you that have been in college, probably even within the last like 15, 20 years, it's becoming increasingly more serious now. Colleges are doing everything possible to explain Jesus away as quick as possible. I'm telling you, they do. It, it, in 72 hours... From a child arriving at a secular college, their goal is to completely deconstruct any faith that our kids have. It's true. No, this has happened. I've been saying this for years because they, they have to. They've got to take Jesus away so you get to do whatever you want and you can be God. How many of you know that the person sitting next to you makes a really lousy God? How many of you all know the person sitting in your seat makes an even worse one? I see those hands. I see those hands, yeah. But that's the goal, is to explain it all away. So how do we know? Okay, in Luke chapter 1, it uh, tells a Christmas story. We see that, that, that Luke, a doctor, he was writing the story, and he investigated this. He carefully investigated. He went to eyewitness accounts. He, he asked a lot of questions. Now, I just think it's amazing if Luke was a doctor, that anybody could read his writing, and we have the Gospel of Luke. That's just my thought. But, but, but they recorded it here, and, and it's true. But it doesn't stop there. In Genesis, in Genesis, it, it, it speaks 1,500 years before Jesus, it speaks to it. And then in Isaiah, it speaks to it as well. In Isaiah, it, it, it's talking 700 years before. The virgin shall conceive a child. And then in Micah, it talks about Bethlehem. What I'm trying to tell you is this. For 1,500 years, for hundreds and hundreds of years, this was talked about, and it all came true. But if we throw out, if we throw out the Bible, and we throw out the, the authenticity of it, and even every other writing confirms it, we're left with just what we believe. As a matter of fact, there were over 300 prophecies about Jesus and his life in the Old Testament. Over 300. Different writers, different times, different places. The chances of even fulfilling eight of those are literally 10 to the 17th power. That is a lot of zeros. That is a lot more zeros than any of us have in our bank account. Right? Yeah, that's the chances. And what I'm trying to tell you is we don't have a blind faith. We have a real faith. But our faith is not in a Christmas or in an experience. Our faith is in a child, Jesus, that grew up to be a man, a sinless, and gave his life for you and me. See, we don't have faith just in an idea. We don't have a faith in a thing. We don't have a faith in date. We have a faith in God. See, see, for faith to be faith, it has to be in somebody. It has to have something it anchors to. And at any other time of the year, there's, there's this, and then there's the, the resurrection power that we celebrate at Easter. This is huge. 
And we have people all the time want to disprove Jesus. This whole deal is just a story. It's just a poetic story. It doesn't mean anything. And this is what I tell people. I tell people all the time because people love, especially when they, they hear that I'm a pastor, they just really want to bring up all their complaints about God and all their problems and their reasons they, they, they disbelieve. I tell people all the time, I say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to set out to disprove God. I want you to make it your life's ambition to prove it all wrong. Do you know what happens to almost everybody who does that? They're the most avid apologist on the planet because there's so much evidence. So I tell people all the time, oh, have at it. Let's go for it. As a matter of fact, when you run out of stuff, I'll give you some. No, I'm saying this in, in reality because, because, we, we, because we, if, if we set out and we say, God, I don't believe you're real, but, but don't just stop there. Go through your struggle. Go through those things, and you will find at the end, you are gonna, you're going to find so much evidence, it's going to turn you around. Because the evidence is overwhelming, let alone what he's done in my life. He, he took an ordinary, everyday guy like me, and, and, he, and he took all my weaknesses, because when I'm weak, he's strong. If when I'm weak, he is strong, he must be a really super God. Let me tell you that. All right, see, but see, we missed this story. And let's keep going here. 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, made right, cleared of all charges by the Spirit. Seen by angels, announced to the nations, believed in throughout the world, and taken up to heaven for glory. This is a mystery of faith. So let, let me just go back. What's faith? What is faith? Here at Bridge City Church, we define faith like this. H-B-O. Faith. H-B-O. Hearing, believing, obeying. That's faith. We hear, we believe, we obey. That, my friends, is faith. Hope is just hearing and believing. That's hope. And many people just get a little bit of hope and they stop there. But when you go into obedience, that's when faith kicks in. Right? That favorite restaurant you've been wanting to go to, you have a hope that it's good, right? You heard it's good. You believe it's good, so you have hope. But you don't know if it's good until you go there and taste it. Am I right? See, so it's a matter of obedience that we see him and we experience him here. So Jesus came in the flesh. I want you to catch this here. So what does this mean? What does this mean? This is huge. If Jesus came in the flesh, that means that he experienced all of the emotion that you and I do. That's why many people want to leave Jesus in a manger. Because if you just leave him on a manger, in a manger, he doesn't have any emotion. He can't relate to you. That means Jesus felt what it was like to be tired. He felt what like he knew what it was like to be frustrated. He knew what it was like to be cold. 
He knew what it was like to be tempted and walk away from the Father. He knew what it was like to be tempted, notice how I said that, by the opposite sex but not give in. He knew what it was like to be lonely and, and, and depressed and have anxiety. I believe he went through every one of those things. Because his goal wasn't just to conquer sin, it was to give us victory over sin. And he couldn't lead us somewhere he hasn't been himself. He came in a human body. I want you to catch this. Because I'm not just trying to talk to your intellect today and convince you of some facts and knowledge. I want you also to connect with this God who left the luxury press box and came onto the field, suited up in flesh just like you and me, came into the game and got dirty. Working for years. As a carpenter. Waiting for his time. Holding on, not just to hope, but a faith in his Father. This deal with God being in flesh is huge. Because it doesn't stop there, because Jesus came for two reasons. One, he came to conquer sin, but the other one was to create a church. And if we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus. And we want to know what Jesus is like, we should be able to look at the church. Because just as the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, the Holy, the Holy Spirit in Jesus is supposed to be in our lives. And so the world's supposed to look at us and say, that's what Jesus looks like. Not me as an individual, but me as in we as in corporately. I believe that he came for both of those reasons. I believe that with all of my being here. 1 John 4, 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. See, the, the Gnostics of the day believed, they, 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 they just couldn't believe. They, some, see, some people believed he was all God, some people believed all man. But you've got to believe he was both of those things. And there were some people saying, he's, he's not God. Or he's not man. Both of those. And both of those are wrong. You've got to have both of them in there. That's why the manger story is so vitally important here. If he didn't have a real body, he didn't have real pain. He didn't have real emotion here. He went through embarrassment, humiliation, accusations. Let me just give you this big idea. We're down here trying to figure out, trying to figure out what we see and what we hear. Am I right? What am I seeing in life? What do I hear in life, right? What if this is it? What if this is the big idea? What if, we're, what if we got it wrong? We're trying to, do you see what I see and do you know what I know and all these things. What if the Christmas story is really all about God up in heaven, he hears, he sees, 
He knows, so he sent us a child. What if this is his expression of, I see what you're going through? What if this is his expression of, I have heard your prayer when, when nobody else heard? What if this is his expression of, I know how lonely you are. I know that you're going through anxiety, your depression. I know that your marriage isn't everything it needs to be. I know that the struggles you're going through. I know that you've been holding on. What if this is God saying, I see you, and I hear you, and I know what you're going through. That's why I send Jesus. See, we, we miss that sometimes. Because we, we just leave it on an intellectual basis. Hebrews 4, 15, 16, write that down. It says that he was tempted in every way, but he was without sin. If he was tempted in every way, that means he had to go through a lot of stuff. Because I have a lot of temptations in life. How about you? Am I right? And he knows, he sees, and he conquered. Well, yeah, but he's, he's God. Yeah, that's right, he's God, but he knows where you're at, and he sees, and he hears, and he knows. That's what this is about. So what sets Christianity apart from all other world religions? Here it is. God came to us, fully God, fully man. You can't earn salvation and the resurrection. Those are three things that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. Every other world religion, that's it right there. God came to us, the incarnation. And you can't earn salvation. You can't earn it. It's the, only, it's, the only, it's the only world religion you can't earn it, but you gotta receive it. It's a gift. It's the best gift of all. Matter of fact, you take all those presents under your tree and just throw them in the backyard. And let me know when you do. Because I'm going to come take pictures. No, I'm serious. It doesn't equal. Because this is the best gift. It's the best thing God hears. He knows. God up in heaven hears and sees and knows what I'm going through. Take that to work on Monday morning and tell somebody to top that one. No, I'm serious. He's gone through it all. I mean, he had, he had brothers and sisters. They had to irritate him. Yet he did not sin. Just trying to give you help for next weekend. Come on. So Philippians 2 verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. He humbled himself. He was born a man. He was not just born a man. He was born a child. Born in poverty in an oppressed place. Lived in obscurity. 30 years he worked as a carpenter before he got to launch ministry. That means he probably worked roughly about 17, 18 years as a carpenter every single day. And just, just, just working, being faithful, being faithful, being faithful, waiting for his time. My goodness, I have trouble waiting five minutes. Is anybody with me? I'm serious. I wait five minutes. Jesus waited like 16, 18 years 
being faithful. That's what kind of, this is how he humbled himself. He was obedient to the Father, submitted to the Holy Spirit, tempted, tried, tested, but didn't give up. Okay, let's look at the resurrection. Again, all these things that say it, all these things communicate it. In Psalm 22, it's the most most the clearest example of everything spoken again hundreds of years before spoken about the resurrection of Jesus Christ this sets us apart so Jesus being fully god fully man left the luxury box came down in flesh lived a sinless life gave his life for us died the most excruciating horrible death read Isaiah 53 again hundreds of years predicted everything that would happen here You can just keep clicking through those. All of them, over and over and over, screaming to us that Jesus sympathizes with our pain. He will sustain us. He will give us direction for life. He wants to walk victoriously. He wants to communicate with you. And he wants Jesus to be the expression of love for you. For those of you that may have not gotten a lot of Christmas cards this year, I want to offer you one. This is it right here. It's the Bible. And if you don't have one, we will give you one. We will give you one so you can read it yourself. All you have to do is stop back at Connection Point and say, say, I want to get me one of them Bibles. No, I'm serious. You pick up one. Just, just begin reading the Christmas story. In Matthew, the first couple chapters. In Luke, the first couple chapters. Just read it for yourself. That's what I've been doing. This is what I do over Christmas. I just, I just keep reading the story over and over. And different things keep jumping out at me. I was like, oh, that's good. Didn't see that before. That's because his word's so relevant. And it's, it's relevant to where I am and where we are right now. This is, this is his love letter. This is his Christmas card does. This is what it speaks to. This is a big deal, this incarnation thing. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 9, in Philippians 2, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Do you know? Do you know that there will be a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess? Jesus Christ is Lord. This is a big deal. I tell people all the time, I say, listen, you can either bow down now or wait till later after you get there. But it said every time above the earth and under the earth. I would wish for you because I believe that there's a real heaven and a real hell. So I believe that it's best that my tongue confess now 
and my knee should bow now. That's the big deal. Let the name of Jesus, when you leave here today, everybody's going to get a couple invitations. For this coming Friday night, we're, we're going to gather here at 6 and 7.30. And we're just going to get together and stop our busyness just for about an hour. And we're just going to stop and just remember this Jesus. What I'm asking you to do is invite everybody you know. I want you to go and extend an invitation to everybody you know. Now, you don't have to get into the whole, there's a, there's a real hell, and if you don't come, there's going to be a problem. You don't have to go there. <laughs> Leave that to me. <laughs> but, but if heaven and hell are real, I want you to invite somebody as if heaven and hell are real. I want you to go this week into your world, into your workplace, into your, 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 your kids' concerts and, and everywhere you go. And I just want you to invite as many people as possible as if heaven and hell are real. And that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow. That's how I want you to do it. And so the ushers, they're going to be handing these out. And so when they look at you, it's not a matter of if you're going to take one. You tell them how many. Hit me with three. Hit me with two. Hit me with five. Because they have been given strict orders that they will have no invitations at the end of today. They will chase you out into the parking lot. How many of y'all know somebody you could invite? We're just going to stop everything. We're going to sing Christmas carols. We're going to have a moment where we light candles and just stop everything. And say, this is all about Jesus. Do you hear? Do you know? Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child sleeping in the night. He will bring us goodness and light. Are you experiencing the goodness and light part? I hope you are. There's only one real way to do it, and that's through what I just explained to you, Jesus. It's not being good enough to earn it. It's a matter of receiving it because Jesus was good enough. And this is a foundation by which we build our lives. Christmas is a foundation by which we build See, and many people, they acknowledge the foundation and they're sleeping on a cold slab of cement because they don't build their lives on this truth. They just sit on the truth. And the reason many people are feeling like they're homeless is because they acknowledge the foundation of Jesus Christ in his sinless life. They lay on the cement, but they don't have a house around them. They haven't built their whole entire lives on him. That's what it means to be people of faith. It's not just a foundation to acknowledge. It's a foundation that builds my life upon. That's what this is about. We don't have to be spiritually homeless anymore. Hey, I'm going to pray in just a moment. 
If you heard anything at all that was helpful to you in your life, could you just stand up to your feet? And I'm going to pray for you right now. If you heard anything at all, you say, hey, that was helpful. That was good. I needed that. I don't know where you and uh, God are right now. But I know this. I just want you to go into this week coming up knowing this. That God sees, he hears, he knows, and he's pointing to the child. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go into this week knowing that. And so in your deepest low or your highest high, Jesus is there. God, I just thank you so much for every person right now, Lord God. I pray for an infusion of faith, an infusion, Lord God. God, just a literal that faith is going to rise up, Lord God, that literally faith is going to expand, Lord God, bigger and brighter and better, God, uh, than, than the Grinch's heart grew, Lord God, in Jesus' name. I just pray for that right now. I just pray, Lord God, right now, Father, that faith is going to expand people's lives right now. That faith in Jesus Christ is going to expand right now. If you just feel right now, I just feel in my heart right now, I feel like God's expanding some faith in people right now. That maybe you stop praying. You stop praying for somebody. You stop praying for something. But right now, God is prompting you to believe for that once again. Does that make sense to anybody here? Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Come on, right now, Lord God, I pray for those of us that just need faith again. God, we need faith. Come on, God, we, God I'm here, Lord, and I need faith to, to, see, to see people's lives change and their, and their foundation go back to you, God. And, and Lord God, there's things that we're all praying for, God, and, and we're wondering where you are, and we want to thank you for coming down here with us. Come on, for every hand up and for every person that's right now that like knows that faith is expanding, God, I thank you, Father, that the Word of God is going to come alive this week. And, and that the, the, the music and the, the worship and the, and the expansion, Lord God, of who you are is going to be great this week, God. Lord God, not in the presence, not in the tree, not in the dinner, Lord God, but in who you are, Father. So God, every hand that's up, and here's both of mine, Lord, and, and God, I thank you for rekindling our faith, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for rekindling us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, you can lower your hands and, and listen, I can't close up here without this one thing here. If you're here today and you don't have a day, a moment, or time when your tongue confessed Jesus Christ as your forgiver and your leader, if you don't have a day figuratively where your heart bowed down and you said, Jesus, I want you to come in. I want you to be the leader of my life. I want to offer you today. I want to offer you a relationship in which now Jesus wants to come into your huddle and he wants to call the play. If that's you right now, if that's you right where you are, and you don't have a day or a time, or maybe you did it a long time ago, and it just became old, it became rote, it, became, it just became like something you used to do, but you're not doing it, I want to offer you right now in this moment, December 18th, 
2022 is your day, your moment, your time. And if that's you right now, I just want you just, hey, just, just lift up your hand and just, let's just say, man, that's me, pastor. That got to be me. Anybody here today, you're just saying, man, that's my day. I need this to be my day. I, I don't want to leave here without my day or my time. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Jesus, for every person here. Thank you for every person, Lord God. Grant us your grace, your mercy, your strength, Lord God, to be the best inviters on the planet this week. In Jesus' name, amen.